So it's my pleasure uh, to welcome Gary Vaynerchuk. Thank you. Uh, what I really want to do is Q&A. So what I'm going to do here is talk for as little as possible to create some context for those that don't know me and to just add some value because I think sometimes people get worried that Q&A is just mailing it in. Um, but I really, really do believe that uh, so much of what I talk about right now is available free on YouTube or somewhere else and so that you can watch at any point and I think we don't get the time to hang out that often. And so I will go to that a little bit earlier than maybe expected, but I'll start off by saying this. First of all, it's really exciting for me to be here. Obviously, uh, as the CEO of VaynerMedia, as I'm kind of planning out where our offices can and will be not only in the US, but globally, you know, obviously we started with New York and then we went to San Francisco and then LA. And, uh, and it's been interesting to see how many people you know, I probably get asked somewhere between 15 and 20 times a week, why Chattanooga for number four? Um, and uh, it's, really, it's really exciting for me to be here this morning. Got up at 3.15 in the morning. Uh, got stuck in Charlotte, by the way. Mickey, I know you love Charlotte, but screw Charlotte. Um, uh, but uh, but driving into town, it was funny. It, uh, it reminded me the first time I was here a couple years ago for my uh, book signing tour and uh, and literally just to myself, because I speak to myself a lot, it's a kind of a weird thing, I uh, just said, this is why Chattanooga, right? I, I remember the feeling I had when I was there, and so uh, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for so much for being such a phenomenal city that I know so few people at this point know what's really going on here, and very honestly, much like Facebook and Twitter and Uber, uh, I have benefited from being right on the outcome years later, and I don't think I've been more confident or positive on a bet that I've made in my career as I have on this remarkable city. It's funny, this, this, this town it reminds me, it's kind, of like, it's kind of like my venture, right? Like, the thing I probably want to talk about is I just want to implore every single person in here as we're talking about Startup Week and, and the vibes that come along with it. I, I don't know, you know, and I recently put out a video that's been my most watched video of my career. It was actually targeted towards 40 to 80 year old entrepreneurs. So for a long time I've been really kind of talking to, you know, kids and things of that nature and I realized, A, I'm not a kid and B, um, you know, the fact of the matter is, is this is the greatest time ever to build a business. And it's because of the internet. You know, I don't know if you're paying attention, but the internet, the consumer internet, is really only 20 years old. People only really started getting on the internet during Windows 95. And I know it came out earlier, but that was weird nerd dudes hanging out. Like this is, this is when normal people started really coming on the web. And so to think that it's only 20 years old and to think about the impact it's had on our society already, um, it's just starting. And I think much like for me, you know, if there is no internet, or if internet was coming 20 years later, if I grew up in the era that my parents grew up in, uh, and I was running a wine business in New Jersey, 
there would have been no internet opportunity for me to use YouTube to change the course of my career. There would have been no Twitter to change the course of my career and start getting attention. What, what's interesting is, I, I think of the internet in a couple of ways. One, as really the middleman, right? I mean, I think it's, if you're in the middle of any business, the internet has become that platform. But more importantly, it's become the tool that has given every single person an at-bat. See, the thing I'm scared about and the thing that I'm excited about is actually the exact same thing. There are a lot of people in this room, whether in their 20s or in their 80s, that are excited about starting their own business. What's happened in the last five to seven years is that entrepreneurship has gotten sexy. Like when I was a kid, you know, first of all, I didn't even use the word entrepreneur, and it's fun to see some of the 30 and ups shake their head, because entrepreneur only 15 years ago meant you were a loser. It meant you had ideas and probably lived at your dad's house, right? So, so entrepreneurship was not a very attractive word. And it's been interesting and fun for me because I am an entrepreneur. I used to say businessman, but now I'm comfortable saying entrepreneur. Um, and it's been fun to watch the word evolve, but it's really, it's actually the same. The excitement has, the, I have the equal reaction to the concern. Here's what I mean by that. This phenomenon of the internet, the reason, and forget about the speed of it, and that's incredible in this town, wins on that. But I mean, just the at-bat is the reason that a startup or an individual from this town has the same at-bat and chance as somebody from New York or LA or London or Paris. It's just the truth. You may not think it. People love to dwell and look at the negative, but the truth is, let me just remind you things, some of the hottest companies in the world, Pinterest was started in Pennsylvania. Facebook was started in Boston. Like These things are not just started in Silicon Valley. You can make these things happen. I was in, unfortunately, because I didn't, invest in the angel route. I was in the room when Uber was invented in Paris. You know, obviously they were SF star, they were San Francisco entrepreneurs, but Travis was from LA and Garrett was from Canada. And so this stuff can happen anywhere. The problem is, and I really want to speak about this for a second, and I have, I think for the few that know who I am, I'm, not, I'm nowhere close to Debbie Downer, but I just want to, I want to draw a line in the sand while we're talking about Startup Week, and I want to talk about self-awareness. Self-awareness is massively important. If I could wish anything on anybody besides health, it would be self-awareness. I think the reason that I've had a happy life and some success is because of self-awareness. It, it allows me to recognize the 99% of things that I suck crap at. And what's happening right now is because it's so easy to get an at-bat and to start a business and to be a startup founder, so many people are doing it, right? That same gift is actually potentially not a curse because it's a tremendous experience and it's not like you're doing anything wrong. But I do implore everybody as you get excited about this week and everything that's going on and definitely what's gonna start happening in this town to really give a lot of thought to what you're good at and what you're not good at. And, and, and I implore you to really, if you're lucky enough to have self-awareness or if you're lucky enough to be comfortable with who you are and you're not in the business of lying to yourself, and I think everybody is a little bit, including myself, but if you're good at it, um, I, I really implore you to triple down and quadruple down and 7x down on your strengths. I actually think the reason this town is gonna win is for a lot of reasons, but one that stands out is if you don't buy into your own hype as it starts growing over the next half decade and things of that nature, then you have a chance on betting on what you bring to the table. I think all the cliche things uh, you know, I think about stereotypes and cliches. 
I'm fascinated by them because they're there because there's a whole lot of truth in them, right? Yet, we don't want to deal with that truth. Um, it doesn't feel politically correct and things of that nature. But what, what I've been thinking a lot about with this office, with the Vayner team, and this town, and, and you know, my excitement to see what kind of startups pop up from here, because very honestly, one of the biggest reasons I bet on this town was not only because I thought it was a good place for an office, but I believe in the talent and the underbelly of the fire of some of the leading entrepreneurs in this town as a gateway drug for me to get into good deals. I, I'm completely convinced that there will be a remarkable multi-hundred million dollar business that starts here and I feel like having an office here and having a presence here and being a name in the game here gives me a better chance of being an investor in that company or being involved in that company. And so the, the thing that I wanted to come here besides my Q&A and that's really what I want to do, what I wanted to say is bet on who you are. Way too many towns and I do, one of the big strategies I have in my book tours when I speak is to go to non-New York, LA, Chicago cities. Right? Um, first of all, I'm in the business of selling things, especially for big companies, and most big companies sell stuff in not New York, LA, and San Francisco. Most of them sell it in a lot of other places, and I think a lot of people that live in New York, like myself, a lot of my contemporaries and my friends that live in the bubbles of SF, LA, and New York don't really realize what the hell's going on in actual America um, and live in their own bubble. So that's cool, and that's a fun thing to say to you because you're like, yeah. But, <laughs> but I'm actually concerned in the other direction for this same room for the same thing, which is while everybody gets excited when I say that when I'm in Omaha and Kansas and Iowa and all these places, they equally then when I leave and become friends with them and I watch their behavior, they try to act like New York and SF and LA, especially when they play this game. And I think that's a mistake. I think betting on your strengths and understanding who you are and what you can service, and, and really the best thing in the world to do, in my opinion, if you're starting a business, is to scratch your own itch. When you scratch your own itch or fix your own problem, you tend to build a really good business because you know exactly what you're solving for. Instead of sitting right now and thinking about how am I gonna start the next picture app like Instagram, the greatest thing you could ever do, and this is why I think I'm a very good salesman, I just live my life and I listen. For all the talking I do, I do a whole lot of listening and a whole lot of watching of the people that are important to me in my world, and then I react to that, and then I react to it. And I think one of the great things that you could be doing is actually thinking about your own pain points day in and day out on ways that you could solve a problem. Literally, Uber was solved by affluent people saying, huh, wouldn't it be cool to have your own black car all the time? You know, like, and when you think about those kind of things, you start understanding the opportunities at hand. And so, one of the things that I hope to inspire at least one person in this room is deploy self-awareness, deploy the thought of how do I solve my day in and day out problems um, and what kind of companies uh, and opportunities are gonna be built out of the DNA of this city that are different than let's say the two or three cities that get talked a lot about in technology today. My friends, this is the second industrial revolution. Like, I just want you to know especially for the 20 and 30 year olds in this crowd because I as a 40 year old soon in November in a month, holy crap shit. Um, <laughs> and the people that are older than me, we didn't get as lucky as you did. This is, this is the generation. Like this is the sweet spot. This is the land grab. This is what happens. Everybody's got their own generations and their own great things and their own bad things. If you just wanna talk about entrepreneurship, if you just wanna talk about having an at bat, to build something for yourself,
that you own and do something that you like, this is better than 1987. This is better than 1974. This is better than 1963. And the one thing that I ask you to do is to not look back and regret that you wavered on the moment that was available to you. The only thing that's not fun, the only thing you regret is the things that you don't do. It's just the way it is. Like, even if you think of random dumb stuff, like not asking out that person in high school or stuff, this stuff lingers. It's the stuff that you don't do that bothers you. And so for the purebred entrepreneurs in here that haven't decided to make that leap or take that at bat, I implore you to do so right away because this window closes too. It's just supply and demand. As you get more and more entrepreneurs and as more and more people do it, more and more at bats fall off the stream. It was a lot a lot easier to start social media sites in 2003, four, five, six, and seven than there is now because 9,000 photo social apps hit the app store every day. And so, if you hear that and you hear the last little part of my rant, which is know yourself, I'm trying to point you in a direction of where the opportunity is because there is so much white space still available to build in businesses, yet people are really attracted to the one or two billion dollar exits and they think they need to, guys, for every Instagram, there's 80,000 Insta shits. <laughs> so everybody's chasing these unicorns, these once in a lifetime, do, do, do you know how phenomenal it sounds to your grandparents if you told them that you built a business that you own, that you run, that you like doing, and you make $200,000 a year? Do you know what kind of nirvana that actually is in the scheme of things? And so we are not grounding this entrepreneurial startup conversation in the right thing. We're grounding it in these headlines of the five or six things, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, Uber, and we're not talking about the tens of thousands of opportunities there are if you actually take a step back, understand what's happening, try to build something around your pain point. Like your pain point might be your three kids piss you off all the time. Like that's a real pain point, right? Like, I don't know, create an Uber for like babysitters. Like, like you know, like, like, there is so many ways to build businesses and if you just sit back right now and think about how much money you make, double that amount and then think about being able to do something on your own terms, now all of a sudden you've grounded yourself in a totally different conversation than this weird need to like be the next Zucks, right? Or like change the world or things of that nature. And so I'm looking for practicality. I'm looking for real practicality because practical business building has never been easier. And the best part is, it's never been cheaper. For so many of you in this room, one of the things you can use as an excuse is, oh, there's not as much money here as there is in San Francisco and New York. I can't raise as much money. Good. You know how many people are about to raise a crap load of money and lose it all? You know how much money's about to be lost? The amount of money that's about to be lost on all the fundraising that's gone on for the last four years is disgusting. You know another thing? It's good to learn how to build a business that actually makes fucking money. Yeah. It's good. The amount of companies I'm watching, young kids with ideas, raise $3 million and deploy no practicality in actually building a business is scary and then they're gonna lose all those people's money and you know what the reaction is? It was a good experience. Yeah, for you. I'm pissed I lost my 50K. And so, I'm real pissed. I work real hard. So, 
I, I think that, um, I think if there's any energy that I can bring, it's that I'm here and Vayner's here and we're here because we believe in the DNA and the culture and the infrastructure that is here. We're not here to like make it look like all the other places. And I think it's interesting to me because as I've been auditing the conversations on Twitter from this town and the startups and thought leaders and the people in it, I think weirdly as an outsider, I believe in it more than a lot of people that are in it. And so I think that's interesting. And I, I hope that this little uh, chat makes you think about that in maybe of a different direction. And, uh, and I really, really, really wish all of you nothing but health and happiness. Thank you. So cool, given that it's like a smaller room and probably has really good acoustics, I wanted to go short and just kind of tell, like I really wanted to get that off my chest because I think it's an interesting conversation. But I know that like, you know, 20 to 50% of you probably have context on me. I mean, I'm more than willing to answer any questions about, you know, I've invested in over 100 businesses. I've run two businesses that I've grown from small bases to large bases quickly. I'm in it, advertising, anything. Anything I can answer, let's just go into Q&A. Who want, who's got a question? Good looking dude with the beard. Jockey and horses. Right, right. So, uh, my question is, what are some commonalities you frequently see in these founders that you would bet on just because they're the jockey? Yeah, there, there is no, I don't have a common thread. The truth is, I married my wife 18 seconds into our first date, right? And so, in my mind. Um, <laughs> and I told her a couple hours later. Um, and we were married within the year of meeting. And, uh, and that's how I feel about entrepreneurs. There's a, I, I know my, it's fun, my brother doesn't go to my keynotes anymore because I think I bore him, but he happens to be here and he's in the back and I, I know he's gonna hear this. I always talk about this one boxer, his name's Julian Jackson. He was a boxer from the 80s. And uh, I, I just, when AJ was like 15, I would just make him watch Julian Jackson boxing videos on YouTube over and over. So uh, that's why I mentioned AJ. Uh, he said something after a fight. He, he, was, he, was, uh, he said something that was really interesting to me. He said, they said something like, how do you know? Did it? He goes, there's just this feeling in my right hand. He's like, he basically said, I have feeling in right hand. If I punch in face, no man get up. And, <laughs> and that's kind of how I am with business. That's why I've always kind of associated myself with Julian Jackson, the mid 80s boxer, which is whether I look at a business or I go in for a sale or I meet somebody, I, I don't know what their commonalities are. People try to game me. You know, they watch 150 episodes of Ask Gary Vee or all my keynotes and they try to feed me stuff that, uh, that they think I'm gonna respond to. They're a hustler, they'll die before losing, all those things. The problem is they don't realize I'm not listening to a word they're saying. I'm just going by what I feel. And so I think a lot of our culture at Vayner is the same way. It just, I, I, I live on that. And so um, I don't know if there's commonalities. There is clearly some commonalities. I, I think intent, if my heart believes that they have the right intent, um, I can be swayed, but there's no words that are gonna make me feel that way. Thanks. Questions? Yes, sir, in the blue.
Thank you. Uh, for some of you that don't know, in 2006, uh, less than a year after YouTube was out, I started a wine show called Wine Library TV for my business. The first episode, I sat down, I went in fully with the intentions of this being QVC. That I was gonna sit there and I was gonna sell wine because that's what I did for a living. And then the most insane thing happened. I mean, I've never done any performing, speaking. I'm a 30-year-old dude at this point. Like, at 30, you kind of think you, you kind of think you know yourself, right? Like, I never like, I didn't like doing speeches in class. I definitely didn't do like performances. I didn't do TV. I didn't. So it was weird to me what happened. It was just one of those things, like $300 Best Buy video uh, camera sitting in front of me. Up just like this, I remember like yesterday, I'm looking right at it, I'm about to sell these three bottles of wine, and that red light goes on, and something weird happened. Within a second, I was like, huh, this is gonna live forever. (laughs) (laughs) I really better be careful and not be full of shit. (laughs) And so what happened was, literally from episode one, it transformed into me just giving my advice on those wines, regardless of how much was downstairs. And, To answer your question directly, you know, I was so convinced that YouTube was gonna be huge and that video blogging was gonna be a real thing and that this could arbitrage television over the next decade that I just wanted to be part of the legacy. I didn't need any feedback. I was so bought in back to that feeling that the one great thing I have that I really hope my kids have is just utter blind conviction. When I'm in, I'm in, period, end of story. Like, I don't waver and I mean, really don't waver. And so everybody could leave this town and I'd still be here. Like when I buy in, I buy in. And so I, um, <laughs> I know that's weird. Um, <laughs> so I wasn't looking for much. I was, I was just executing something that I knew. And look, it was 18 months before, I mean, 18 months is a long time of pumping out video day after day. And back then I didn't travel. Five days a week, 18 months, and not much was happening. It just, but I knew it was there and then it started clicking. Gentleman next to you. It's coming better. It's getting better. It's getting better. I've lost 24 pounds. I'm feeling good about it. Uh, but abs are tough when you're old. Mike said I'd be in great shape, they're there, but that last bit of fat is a beast. Um, you know, it's funny, thanks for bringing that up. I, no, 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 I actually, I actually think it's a good transition. My, I would tell you that my mom, who knows me better than anybody, I have so much of her DNA, we're just super simpatico. We literally don't talk every day for a pair that should talk every day because we almost talk every day without talking. It's crazy, it's so scary. I don't even wanna tell you the weird story. Uh, you know what, I'm gonna tell you, I've never told this story in my life. I'm on family vacation and I find out like, cause my, I'm Eastern European, my family's weird. Like my mom goes in for procedures, we don't even know she's going to the hospital, right? Like, so she's going to have like some minor thing, right? I think a colonoscopy, nothing crazy at all. I'm literally on vacation with my, my um, with my uh, wife's family in Naples, Florida. I'm just literally laying, listening to music, working, like scrolling on ESPN.com, whatever. Literally, literally, out of nowhere, I'm laying there and I get up and I walk to the other side. This is so weird to say out loud. I, I go to the other side of the pool and I just sit down and I start 
telling my mom to wake up. I swear to God, I'm like, mom, you need to wake up. Mom, wake up. And so that was it. Like, that was the story. A couple hours later, like, I call, like, my, my dad's like, yeah, everything's cool. Great, cool, end of story. Until two years later, we're on a family vacation in Puerto Rico, I'm just sitting with my mom, we're talking about something, something gets brought up. And it gets brought up that she was really not responding well to the medicine, and she, she like, just wasn't getting up. And out of nowhere, she gets up and she starts asking for me. I don't know why I'm telling you this. <laughs> I think I'm telling you this because the thing that is probably weighing on me more than anything right now in my life is that we know nothing about the brain. I don't know if you know this, we know jack shit about the brain. And I'm completely weirded out by that because I think it could do so. I'll give you another weird one and I'm going very zen on you. Seven years ago I decided I would never get sick again. I haven't been sick yet. It's crazy, I travel so much, I don't wash my hands. I, like, <laughs> I'm telling you. So, so, oh, I was like, how the fuck did I get there? I got it. <laughs> Out of all the things I've done in my life, my mom is most proud that I've been able to execute on getting my health together and working out and eating properly because it doesn't come natural to me. And it's the first thing I've done in my life. I was a DNF student my whole life because I just, it didn't come natural to me and I punted it. And I punt everything. I started this talk by telling you to bet on your strengths. I very much believe in that. Believe in it more than anybody. I believe on betting on your strengths. I think the society and our world tells us to fix all of our flaws and I think we waste enormous times, amounts of money and energy trying to fix things that only have a little bit of growth in them while not tripling down on our strengths. But it's funny, you always evolve. You change your points of view. I'm so taken aback myself that I figured out the system that works for me that it, it's giving me ambition to work on other things because I'm surprised I've been able to like, and listen, I'm only a year and a half in, but I figured it out. By the way, real quick for anybody that's trying to figure out their health, for me, what I figured out was I was not accountable to myself. I was not self-motivated, so I got to a financial place, and this is not practical for most people, where I hired a full-time person who's in charge of my health. He just follows me around. He just, you know. <laughs> He's in Canada right now waiting for me because I have to go there and speak tomorrow, like literally. So I, uh, I just figured out that I had to be accountable to somebody else. So not everybody can afford hiring a full-time health person, but maybe another person in your life or some other weird hack, or maybe you create a company that only charges a certain amount to have another human being worth follow you around, and so we can make this whole conversation go full circle. Thanks, ma'am. Yes, dear. So, Gary, related to your health and training. Yes. Such a good question. You know what's so funny? I've been thinking about this a lot. And so I've, I figured out my first hack and I'm getting some good emails on this. First of all, it's a hard one, right? Um, but I do have a recommendation. I think you need to grab the seven to 10 people, three, five, nine, that are closest to you in the world. And when I say closest, not just your mom or dad or sister or brother, but weirdly enough, you know, like the person you sit next to at work for the last eight years, like people that you spend the most time with. And then you have to have the weirdest conversation you've ever had with them. Because you have to set up the conversation by telling them, you've gotta make them feel safe. Because you've gotta make them feel safe to tell you the truth, which is very scary when you care about somebody. It's very scary. But you tell them that you're basically trying to figure yourself out, and you need the truth. What are you best at, what are you worst at? 
and it's been interesting. I've been getting, I've been, I wrote an article about this and talked about it. And it's been interesting to get the feedback. Like people have been really able to get people to tell them the truth by really working hard on the first 20 minutes of the conversation saying, look, I know you don't want to hurt my feelings. Look, I know you love me. Look, I get it. I promise, I promise, I promise I won't be mad. I know you don't believe me, but I promise. Right? Build it, build it, build it. Because if you can get that truth, you're now asking the market. There, you know, and that's what you're trying to figure out. The market tells you what you're good at. The market, the world, the game. Um, most people don't want to believe what they're good at and what they're bad at. See, the problem is everybody is romantic. People want to be something more than recognizing what they are. And so, for me, in business, there's just, like the problem with business and that theory is the market doesn't care, <laughs> right? Like, like the, the world doesn't care that you, you were born a minority or an immigrant or have no money or, or in a town that doesn't have internet. Or, it just doesn't care. It's the market, right? And so you either dwell on it or you attack it or you settle into somewhere in the middle. Um, but I do think the best way to attack it is to know what you're best at. I really do believe that. And some of the things that you're best at aren't that interesting, right? Like, like if I didn't have... If I didn't have sales too, I'd be a guidance counselor. I'd be, you know, a camp counselor. Like, like, you know, like I like to listen. I just figured out how to use that to sell too. And so I think you have to give permission to the people closest to you to hurt your feelings and tell you the truth and then have the audacity uh, and, and ability to act on that information. Yeah. Cool. Yes, sir. It's a good question. So I think there's two things going on. I think, I, think, I think valuations are way too high on the early stage. It's literally any kid with any idea is able to get a five, six million dollar valuation for their business. It's, it's so ludicrous, it's uncomfortable. On the flip side, the reason it's happening is while this, let's say the bubble bursts, right? Let's say there, and by the way, let's define a bubble bursting. Something happens that forces Wall Street to cut Facebook's value in half, which then is a trickle down because you can't be worth X if Facebook is worth Y, and it just trickles all the way down, right? Let's say that happens. Here's the problem and why smart people are staying in. It still isn't stopping the second industrial revolution. During this period, we are living through a bubble while we're equally living through tons of companies that are gonna be invented tomorrow that are gonna be worth a fortune. So you have to navigate through that, which is very, very difficult. What I would tell you is, and I've been telling myself this, guys, the first three things I invested in were Facebook, excuse me, I'll give it in order, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. I've gotten progressively dumber. And, and here's why. When I invested in those things, I just bet on things that I knew were sure bets. Like, I didn't even think that I was an investor. I was like, these things are gonna be worth more. I can get in, let me get in. Like, I didn't call myself an investor. Um, and when you become an investor, you start changing the rules. You start deploying different things. You don't take them for face value of what they are. You start thinking about other exits or betting on that entrepreneur in the future or all these other things you could be doing. And so I would say the best piece of advice I'm giving myself and my homies is let's go back to when we really just bet on it. Like it is 
her startup going to be able to handle a cash flow crisis, a non-second round of funding? The reason so many companies are about to go out of business is when the funding's not there and they're not making money, you go out of business. And so, and so I would say that you don't punt, you don't stay in the sidelines and wait four years for it to come back, you just become much smarter about your investments, more practical, and that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Yes, sir, in the back. My content. Thank you. So, thanks. Um, you know, I think I reverse engineer the crowd, right? So, and I just, I, I really give a lot of thought to what I wanted to say to this specific crowd. The things that you see online a lot of time are very public, big marketing speeches, and those are the things, unfortunately, in those places where I want to be on the record of the current state of marketing, I'm not gonna change what I'm gonna say for the appeasement of the YouTube viewing audience because I'm scared because I want to be correct historically, right? So you see a lot of that stuff. I, I think there's a lot of stuff running through my mind. Um, the reason I like Q&A is because you're gonna get different stuff because I get to be a counter puncher instead of saying the things that are top of mind. So one of the, you know, one of the reasons I'm trying to, one of the reasons I started the Ask Gary V show was to freshen up my content to have my audience push me in new directions, which has happened, right? Because I talk about a lot of things. Plus I evolve, right? I'm a father of two now. There's just different things going on. I, you know, when I first hit the scene, Wine Library was a big success, but VaynerMedia has gone from 30 to almost 600 employees in the last four years. That's a new thing I can talk about from an HR and a staffing and an organizational thing. Um, so, you know, it's funny. Your real answer is because I try because I don't want to mail it in, because I have so many friends who've been successful and they're giving the same presentation for the last four years and it's not bringing value to anybody that sees it a second time and I'm weirdly obsessed. I think it's my ego. I desperately want people to continue to come and see me speak and come and, I want to be like one of those awesome bands that are like, I've seen them nine times, you know? <laughs> and, so, and so I think, I think unlike music, I think you've got to keep it fresh. It's, uh, it's tough to go to the hits over and over. Um, what's the ROI of your mother? You know, like so, like I, you know, I think uh, so. I think I think it's because I try. It's because I've got plenty to say. I've got a lot of things. I speak about the stuff I know, and and that's why this Q and A is so important because I'm able to go in a different direction. But it comes down to intent. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people want to just cash their speaking check in. And uh, I want to be around for a long time. Thanks. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, hey, man. For sure. Yes. This is a good question. I'm gonna tell you why my perception of lacking fear is so real 
it's because I fear something so much. I fear the health and well-being of my family so much, and I mean crippled by it. Hence why you're a grown-ass man and you get up during a vacation and go to some weird corner and pray for your mom to wake up. You know, I am so fearful of the well-being of the 10 to 15 people in my life. It is so disproportionately the most important thing to me in the world that it just makes everything else so easy. You know, the thought of losing all my money, <laughs> this is gonna get weird, is, is so weirdly exciting because I know I have the talent to rise back up as a phoenix and be like, I told you, bitches. <laughs> because trust me, if I lost everything, there'd be plenty of people that'd be happy to write that story. Uh, that's what happens when you roll with a little bravado. Um, and so, and so, it's interesting. I thought that would go away when I had the kids, but this is why it's super important to marry the right person, right? Like, I'm good. I come from zero. I, like, Rocky 17 or wherever he went back to zero, like, it was a shit movie and nobody liked it. I was like, this is the best. <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, you know, like, so, like, like weird to the point where like sometimes when I do things, I'm like, am I sabotaging myself on purpose to play out this weird narrative that I weirdly want? You know, and I thought once having kids that would change, and it has to some degree, um, but not really. And I think then that's how it plays out on the yang, right? Which is, I, I, I'm so in tune with my feelings. I dream of buying the Jets or having somebody say, this is, the, this is it, this was the guy. The, he was the best entrepreneur of this generation. And, and then I think about that being anointed on me and then getting a phone call and hearing that my mom died in a car accident. I do this to myself. Mm-hmm. And then I see how I feel. And since I feel awful, well then why in the world would I get caught so up in the financial or other things? And so in that place, and in plenty of places I'm not, I hedge, I'm patient, I'm worried about being bitter one day because I do wait and I'm patient, I try to provide more value than I receive, and so there's vulnerabilities where I, I'm aware of, but boy, I'm super not scared when it comes to business. First of all, I've been doing it my whole life. I've always been good at it. I'm good. Like, I can, I can go garage sailing in Chattanooga this weekend and make 500 bucks on eBay. So, like, like I'm gonna be fine. Um, uh, but it's because I'm so scared of something else. What? Right? Yeah. One, two more questions, however many. Like two or three, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, there's a lot of ways I think about work-life balance. It is clearly my biggest challenge of my life because there is only 24 hours in a day. There's a, and I have a lot of different variables. We all have different variables. My dad, I love my dad more than I love breathing. And I didn't even see my dad until I was 14. He was never home because we were poor and he had to build the American dream. So I'm sure that I'm affected by the fact that I have this incredible relationship predicated on old school. You know, the new school is like, we're in a very politically correct new school world. Everybody's got to do everything about everything and everything, right? Like, like, it's like, it's all vanilla all the time and you look back at the generations before us and there's plenty of people that are happy and did well and you know, a lot of us got smacked, my mom smacked me in the mouth. 
like, Lizzie's like, you know, Misha's getting a little rambunctious. I'm like, let's punch her in her fucking face. <laughs> like, 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 you know, like, I don't know, like, I think, so, one, I'm definitely affected by the old school Eastern European thing, for sure. On the flip side, I don't want that for my kids. I do want to be there, I want to be there selfishly. Like, it's stunning to me how many things I'm, I haven't missed any of the school big things and the recitals and everything. I'm pumped, I'm like, geez, I'm really, you know, everybody, so listen, because I put out so much content, I think another thing you may notice is it's almost impossible to find pictures of my kids, right? So all these social media, everybody's putting out plenty, you know, kids' content gets good engagement, you know? And so, on the flip side, I don't. My wife and I have decided we're not going down that path. You know, I don't want to put that pressure on my kids. If they want to, I think my daughter's going to want it. She's already, like, this summer, she's like, when am I going to be on the Ask Gary V show? I'm like, all right, I know where this DNA is. Uh, um, But I don't want to make those choices for her. Right, and so we've decided to parent a different way and I'm very out there. And so because I don't talk about that part of my life, people get a misperception of how much time I'm spending on that. People don't know that on Wednesday from nine to 11, prime time hustle hours, I'll be at a school function. You know, they don't know that. And I respect that. I'm not mad at people for not knowing because I recognize I don't story tell that to the public world. And I do story tell, it's 3 a.m. I'm going, to, and so, you know, I, uh, I do the best I can, just like every single other person here, right? There's a, you know, if, you don't, if you're not in love with yourself, it's gonna be really hard to deploy a lot of love to your children. So I'm very conscious of doing what I wanna do for me, too. Um, and it's just a constant tug of war. And as they get older, you have to adjust. Like, I'm adjusting in the same way with my health. I've been talking a lot about coming home at 5 p.m. every day that I'm in New York to see them for an hour because they're just different, they're older. There's things that I'm gonna have to, I'll adjust. But uh, back to the theme of this talk, I know where my heart's at, I know my intent, you know? And I'm, I won't be perfect and there'll be a big deal in three years that takes me away too much or things of that nature but, but I fight, you know, I fight. Yes sir, yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, I, I think you know the answer of what I'm gonna say. I don't think it has anything to do with what I'm gonna say. I think, um, I think it's gonna come down to what's gonna happen in their lives, right? Like, I'm, I'm so blessed that for whatever reason, the way I communicate gets people to do things, right? It's funny, I really got scared in 2010, 11, 12 when I started getting internet famous for being like a motivational speaker. I really, I really shut down, like I, I understood it was happening I understood uh, I have that in me, um, but one of the biggest reasons I wanted to do VaynerMedia All In was to ro- remind myself and the market that I was a business builder, that the reason people should listen to my business advice is because I build them, you know? And so, um, so I, 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 I try to put out a lot of content on this subject matter. It's why I do a damn show every day that I'm in New York for 20 minutes to try to give people 
a, a North Star, meaning don't take my advice, here's one person doing it this way, here's his perspective, use your self-awareness to navigate around that. Um, and so, look, I mean, there's, you know, I tell my closest friends things like, you know, dying at 50 sucks. You know, or, or, or you know, you're never gonna be able to go backwards. You know, like, like one of the things I do a lot is look at my kids' baby pictures because you're just like, for anybody who has young children, it's like, and a lot of people, I could tell by the faces in the crowd, you've lived through it. Boy, you just blink and it's over, right? Life goes fast. Like, I still think it's senior year of high school in my head. You know, like, like and so um, I try to give perspective. I live in a very, uh, my head's in a very big, like, all-in perspective world. That's why I don't get, that's a little bit of my fear thing too. It's just so up here. I'm so not stressed. Like I always tell my team, it doesn't mean that much. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. It's just because it's not. Because it's not. And so, yeah, but everybody's got to do their thing, you know? All right, fine. Thank you. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you much.